Hello my lovely. So before we jump into today's episode, I want to ask you a quick question. Would you like to work with me? At the time of this episode being released up until the 1st of November 2021, the applications are open for my nine-month mentorship program, the Sustainable Visibility Incubator. And this is for you if you would like to really work on your visibility, but in a way that honors who you are and really helps you to show up in a way that feels in integrity and alignment for you. So if you're an introvert, if you're a highly sensitive person, an empath, and you identify as a woman to any degree, I would love to invite you to learn more. All you need to do is go to makeasign.com forward slash apply, which is my legit sales page for this offer, and you'll be able to see all the details of this process. So in essence, if you want to confidently navigate yourself through the messy middle as well as the prim and polished side of your business, so you can show up consistently for your mission and do it all by leaning inside of your unique strengths, inside a space that is trauma sensitive, supportive, and is intimately small, I really would love to see you there. So all you need to do again is go to makeexign.com forward slash apply. You can find the link in the show notes as well, where you can find out more information. This is a time sensitive announcement. So our applications do close on the 1st of November, which isn't too far away. And I do invite you to apply sooner rather than later. And the reason for that is because if you want to take some time to be able to make that informed decision for yourself instead of feeling like you have to decide in the moment, the moment you apply, then that's why I invite you to create that space for yourself to make a decision that is informed and it's not rushed, but it's really intentional. So finally, again, it's makeafan.com forward slash apply. All right, now back to the episode. Hello, my lovelies. This is May Kay Sang, your podcast guesting strategist and mentor, cat lover, and the proud host of the Quiet Rebels podcast. This is the place for experts on the rise who are finally ready to stop playing small and to start showing up as the leader they've always been. And contrary to what you might think, you don't have to be the loudest person in the room in order to be heard. You've always been the type to see things differently, and you've always chosen another pathway if the one laid out in front of you just doesn't align with your way of life. You're not alone in this. So to help you on your journey, I'm bringing conscious conversations to the table with myself and guest experts who will help you with the inner work that needs to be done in order to make a positive impact on the world with what you do. I see you. And now it's time to hear you, my friend. So please welcome to The Quiet Rebellion. Hello, my lovely Quiet Rebels. Oh my goodness, today's guest is someone who I've been very, very looking forward to introducing to you all if you don't already know her already. We are going to have such an important conversation around how we can infuse our philosophy, our beliefs, and our values into our service-based business and our group programs. But also, I would love to touch on what it means to be a thought leader and what it's not, (laughs) and also really taking into account our own interdisciplinary and intersectional approach to our industries as well. So please join me (laughs) in welcoming the amazing Mariana Peña onto the Quiet Rebels podcast today. So, hey, Mariana, how are you doing? Hey, thank you so much for the invitation. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, oh my goodness. We have so much stuff to talk about. In in the green room, the best conversations happen. I'm like, darn it, we haven't recorded it. (laughs) (laughs) But before we get into all of the goods, I would love to ask you, like, really, how did you get into this line of work? Because your official bio your official bio, excuse me, says that you're an instructional designer and a mentor for online business owners. And you talk about how you can take into account their cultural and social identities as well when, you know, they're being represented. And so I haven't heard of an instructional designer who focused on the cultural identity aspect. And so I'd love to know, like, what was your journey to take you to this point where this is, this became the work that you do? Yes, it's been a long journey. Um, I've been in education my entire life. Uh, I'm one of those stories where 
you know how you dream when you're a little person and you're like, oh, when I grow up, I'm going to be this. I was one of the, I'm going to be a teacher. And then I became one. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm from Mexico. I'm now based in the Netherlands. But um, when I started in education in Mexico, I quickly realized that every single theory that we were reading and learning uh, when we become teachers was not depicting our own stories. Um, mm. It was very sad for me to notice that all the studies and the journals and the papers, like the up-to-date, whatever course and training you could get, it was not based on my culture. Uh, so I, of course, was learning about Finland and I was learning about the United States and how, um, you know, thought leaders on education in Brazil. And I constantly asked myself, where, where are my people? Um, so it took me a long time to gather the strength and, and courage to start questioning my system from within. I worked in academia for a very long time and then I moved to the Netherlands. And when I started my business, I could not do that do something that was not education. Um, and I thought, well, I'm not restricted by academia anymore. Mm. I do not have to follow those rules. I can help people who look like me, uh, people who have always felt like the outlier or who have never seen themselves in a book. Mm. Create something that is going to give ripples to the rest of the population and I thought well what a wonderful thing could that be to be honest I never expected to take off the way it did uh, I thought nobody's gonna care about this maybe it's just me thinking that this is needed um, but I'm very glad that slowly but steadily people have been reaching out saying, you know what, I would love to share within my program part of my cultural background mm -hmm. because I know that nobody has done that before. Mm -hmm. So that's a little bit of who I am, where I, why I am doing this and, and what motivates me to keep going. Mm. Oh, I found myself just nodding my head so much to what you're saying because that's exactly how I felt in education as well I didn't work in education but when I was being educated like you know as a child I rarely ever saw myself in the textbooks that I was reading and um, as you were speaking I thought of how much I had to search to find um, these books um, you know for my nephew for example um, children's books where he could start seeing himself and people who look and sound like him in the pages of the book um, and so I love that um, you know when someone brought it up to you like oh I'd love to share my culture you know in my program and I'm curious to know that since you started working with people to do exactly that and I'm sure you do that in your own services as well like what changes have been brought about because of that? Oh, it's very, it's fascinating. Um, well, of course, I had to unlearn a lot mm -hmm. because I was in academia for more than 10 years. I started as an assistant teacher and then teacher and then trainer of new teachers and mentor for them. And then I moved on to creating the curriculum and, and, and I was on a roll, right? But it was a role with the restrictions because you have to follow the rules. Um, there is only like, certain uh, authors that you, you have to follow, etc. But when I started working with entrepreneurs, business owners that were not afraid of breaking molds, all of a sudden I was having conversations, conversations about, uh, is it possible to create a program where I not only share my professional experience, but how I have been combining that with um, marginalized identities, for example. Mm. 
because most of my clients, they serve in one way or another BIPOC, people that identify as BIPOC or are part of um, traditionally marginalized communities. So of course, it's a different field, right? Like we are suddenly approaching the same um, topics in a very different way, whether that is uh, a course for travel nurses or for lawyers um, or for uh, birth practitioners. If we have in mind that they are intentionally not centering white educational theories, we are bringing in depth and richness that is nowhere else to be found. We are talking about how people in this community don't have access to the majority of uh, resources that white communities have. So how can we supplement that? Uh, how can we create spaces where they feel they can be brave enough to raise their voice? How can we create communities online where they don't have to lean on to the individualistic traits of capitalism? Um, they feel that they can be quiet and still feel seen, which is a very difficult thing to achieve. Um, and it's not that the end result is going to be different, because if we are thinking about um, the, the hard, dry outcomes that we create for a program and we read them, it might be almost in the same words as um, a typically white curriculum. However, the path that we follow to get there is, is completely different. And that in itself, it's worth it because education is the journey, right? It's not the end. We never um, end learning or unlearning. So um, it's the little nuances that we infuse into the programs that make the whole difference. Mm. Oh, I can imagine. And I remember when I first started learning more about you and uh, when we spoke in the program earlier when we talked about the infusion um I said to you that like oh I find myself um focusing so much more on the infusion um but the thing is um I told you that oh I have hidden values though because um I find that when, when, okay Give, to give an example uh, when someone says oh I'm such a funny person then it's kind of like mm, are you <laughs> <laughs> you know uh, it kind of takes out um the the funniness <laughs> in a way when you when you kind of claim it um and I find the same thing happens when it comes to our values I think um, it's one thing to know what your values are, but it's how your audience receives that. Like, how do they see those values in you and everything that you do? And there are some values that I've actually kept hidden that I don't openly say, like, oh, this is what I value, because it's something that I want to have experience, uh, you know, for people to experience when they come across me. So um, just for the just for the sake of it right now, I will share what those no longer hidden values are but I would love <laughs> people to think that I'm fueled by integrity I would love people to think that I run my business as ethically as I can and I would love them to see that I do value diversity inclusion and equity and a sense of belonging and safety like that is what I would love for people to think when they have talked to me or they've just seen me around you know it's just something that they just feel but um and so I find myself often trying my best to infuse all of that without actually claiming what it is or naming what it is out in the open. And you told me that there is a term for that. Can you share that with us? Yes, this is what we called um, in education, hidden cur curriculum. So whenever we are designing something, um, uh, and by designing something, I mean like the content of a program, for example, or, 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 or a course, um, we have the curriculum, uh, which is the content that you're gonna be sharing or teaching with your participants and students. And we have what we call the hidden curriculum. And the hidden curriculum actually weighs more than the other one. Because the first one, well, there's books for that. 
and internet, right? Like a quick search, you can find pretty much any answer that you would like to find. But the hidden curriculum is where we are modeling um, values, behaviors, thoughts. Uh, so to give you an example, um, and, and it's also where as a student you find, or as a participant in a course, you find mm, there's a disconnection here. Something feels off. You know how sometimes you're like, mm, I don't really know how to say it, but something is off. Well, it's because there's a disconnection between the, the explicit curriculum and the hidden one. Let's say the program that uh, somebody is offering has to do with um, healing. Uh, right now, there's a boom in the healing industry. I don't want to get into that because it's a whole thing in itself. But let's say it's a program about healing. Um, and if you read the curriculum, it, it looks wonderful. So, so you sign up. But once you're inside the program, you start noticing that if you ask questions or if you share your vulnerability, the reaction that you get is cold or aggressive or dismissive or plain just gaslighting. They're never going to tell you with those words, I'm just not going to pay attention to you, but you feel it. So in a hidden way, they are modeling and letting you know, first, I don't really care about what you're feeling or thinking. And second, I don't really believe in what I'm saying because it's not strong enough for me to actually embody it. Mm. And that disconnection is very sad. It is. It's terribly sad because it's dismissive. It erases you as a human. Um, and especially if you are creating, if you are catering to a diverse audience, who do you think is going to feel it more? The ones who have always been dismissed um, overlooked, misunderstood. And sadly, we are also the type of cultures that we're going to assume that it's on us. So when we oh, are training, yeah. yes, we're going to, we're going to take that guilt and, and we're going to be like, it's on me. So when we are creating something, um, and this is one of the things that I do, uh, like I credit academia for it is that notion of it's not what you're saying, it's how you're saying it and how you're modeling the behaviors because that's what you're going to remember. Oh, suddenly I'm thinking about all of my past mentors, all of my past teachers in school, the ones I liked and the ones that I didn't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's true um, because we often forget about what people say, but we don't, but we remember how, what they've said how it makes us feel yeah and I feel like this is so overlooked um for those of us who you know are in you know in the power dynamic situation that we do hold just a bit more power because we are leading something mm -hmm. we're leading um, a service we're leading a program uh leading an audience and so what can we do to kind of get started with working on our hidden curriculum so that we are the embodiment of our values without necessarily having to say so. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would say that, of course, I would always recommend working with a professional to help you see those spots because these are blind spots and we all have them. Um, but if that is not within your budget or you're not at that point in your journey, I would encourage you and invite you to find someone who doesn't look like you find intentionally seek someone that is going to be able to understand and hold a conversation and at the same time bring a different perspective to it because things that we see normal expected uh, regular behavior or just like well everybody knows this or everybody is able to do this, it's not. We are 
millions and millions of people in the world. And we all, all have different experiences. We all navigate this world with very different lenses and not just one. We hold many different identities at the same time. So when you have the immense honor of leading a group of people, in whatever capacity that is, as a business owner with your team, as a facilitator with a program, um, as the friend that everybody goes to for advice, um, the monitor uh, or, the, or the manager in the community. If you, if you have the trust of people, then it's also your responsibility to be very aware that your experience in the world is not the only one. Yes. Um, so we can start doing that. And one question that I always give my clients, whatever it is that we're working on, is ask yourself, whenever you say like, so this is what we're going to do because these are the results. If you do that, ask yourself, how do I know that? Hmm. You know, like this is a very typical example. Business strategist is creating a course and they are giving everybody a framework. If you follow this framework, you're going to get these results. How do you know that? The first answer is, well, because it worked for me. Great. <laughs> you're one person. Do you know how many people are in the world? I'm not dismissing your success. I'm just trying to put it into a context. Like, what are your identities? What's your reality? How do you know that it's going to work for them? And all of a sudden, we are, <laughs> we look around us and we feel minuscule because we are just one person in a whole universe. And everybody else has an experience of the world that is different than yours. So it is your responsibility to think about that. Oh, that's such a good question. How do you know that though? <laughs> yeah, how do you know that? <laughs> so easy. <laughs> yeah. And so when your clients actually come to the realization that, like, oh, actually, I don't, yeah. what happens next? <laughs> like, exactly. So, so, how do they come up with a process, a framework, the curriculum that is going to help aid their, their clients' results? So I actually designed two very simple exercises that I give them as homework. Um, and I tell them, listen, the content is not the issue, but I want you to be very sure of where these beliefs are coming from. Um, because beliefs result in behaviors. And the, the connection is it's faster than, than values to behaviors. Uh, so they, it's, it's just a couple, like two exercises. They look very simple and um, sometimes I love them. Sometimes they hate me. Um, it's challenging <laughs> to work through them um, because we are not taught to question ourselves. Um, we are taught, it's especially, especially people of color. We are taught to just respect authority um, yeah. and accept things, right? Mm -hmm. And that's how we survive. That's how we survive. So I'm like, no, 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 no. Are these beliefs yours? Or are we just replicating things that were imposed on us? So once we get that, it's easier to, to move on to the actual designing part of the, of the program. Oh, that would be... I'm just trying to imagine it now. How confronting that process is. <laughs> it is very confronting. Yes. <laughs> and the the space that you're holding for your client because it's kind of like um, a child um, throwing a tantrum. And as a parent, you'd have to kind of like just deal with the fact that having a tantrum. It's like, yep, I know. I know you're angry. I know you're upset. Just play it out. <laughs> let it happen. <laughs> Yeah. And, then, and then we'll talk about it I can not to say that you know your, your your clients act like children or anything but it's it's that it's that same premise of like oh stuff's coming up 
they probably don't know how to deal with it because it might yeah. be the first time that they're questioning it to that depth. And you're like, okay, no, this is part of the process. This is part of the process. It's part of the process. And it's yeah. part of the responsibility that you take on yourself when you want to lead a group of people. Because imagine how can we ask them, how can we ask our participants to, to be ready to keep growing mentally, to be ready to keep growing in their business if we are not ready to do that as facilitators? Yeah. It seems it, like it doesn't make you, sense to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, you can do the hard work. I'm just going to mm -hmm. sit here though and just oversee it and yeah. it. <laughs> exactly. it's, instead it's like no 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 I'm getting in the trenches with you I'm gonna get down yes. and dirty like gotta do the work as well because you know we say to lead by example right and yes. that's how we do it by still doing the work because then you'll know how challenging it is and so it wouldn't be as easy to dismiss um you know our clients experiences when we're like when we experience it firsthand on a consistent basis as well Yes. Oh, wow. Lots to think about. Lots to think about. But yes, so the hidden curriculum is, in a way, it's, kind of, it's what drives the, um, the delivery of the content itself. So the results are still there and the results are more likely to be sustained if they are delivered in such a way where it's meaningful and there's that richness to it because of that infusion of what we claim to believe yes. in and what we claim to value so that is for anybody in who's watching watching this listening to this <laughs> <laughs> right now no matter where you lead or how you lead I really hope that what we've shared so far has just made you stop and think and anything that you create just ask yourself Mariana's question but how do you know that yeah <laughs> so so good So I just want to slightly switch gears a little bit because there's something that you shared with me that I would really, really just like love to hear your thoughts on, that you have a different train of thought when it comes to visibility. Instead of consistency, you think of actually becoming a thought leader instead, like, you know, um, you know, thought leadership. So I'm curious, like, What makes you say that? Because consistency is one of those words that you always hear. It's like, oh, this is this is the answer to success. And I'm not saying that that's not true. But I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, though. <laughs> like, uh, why, why, do, why do you believe in thought leadership instead of consistency as a different approach to visibility? Um, yes. So, um, of course, consistency has its benefits. And it's not like, oh appear once in a year and then go away and expect everybody to remember how awesome you are. It's not that necessarily. Um, this, this idea or this premise comes from the fact that I work mostly with BIPOC clients. Mm -hmm. And when we hear consistent, and, and also my own experience in the world, like I, I'm Mexican, um, I lived uh, near the border in Mexico, I moved to the Netherlands when I was 30 years old. Um, so the identity that I had or the identities that I had in Mexico were completely gone the moment that I moved to the Netherlands. And I found myself like holding these new identities that I didn't know how to navigate. All of, the, all of a sudden, I was an immigrant. I was a person of color. I came from a third world country and all of these labels, right? So when I started my online business uh, uh, and people were like, you need to be consistent. You need to get out there and tell everybody what you do and reach out and network and every, and yeah, although those, um, um, although they were well-intended, I was going through a very traumatic experience. I was grieving my home country. I was grieving my culture. I was grieving my language. Um, I was grieving the person that I was until I moved uh, to this new place. I was trying to find my way around. I was in no position to be consistent about anything, nothing, let alone, you know, social media. <laughs> um, 
So I just sat there and I asked myself the same questions that I give my clients, right? Okay, so if they tell me you need to be consistent in order to get clients, I would have, but how do they know that? What, did the, what does that mean? How could that work for me? I don't have a network here. I, my family doesn't speak English. <laughs> they don't speak Dutch. Um, I don't have friends in business. I know that there is nobody else doing what I do. There's nobody else approaching instructional design with the intersections that I do and I have. I knew that, but I felt so isolated. So consistency was not something that I could do. What I had was my story. So uh, instead of forcing myself to be there, be present, be everywhere all the time, I paused because I tried that. Huh? Let me know because I'm a good student. So if I get advice, I'm like, I'm going to try it. Um, and it didn't work. It made me feel terrible. So mm. I paused everything and I just sat there to observe and listen to the conversations that were going around. And, and just that just reassured me they are not talking to people like me. They are not telling stories to people like me. Um, I, I am not a Mexican-American. I am not a daughter of immigrant. I am the immigrant. I am raised in a biracial kid. Where are those stories? I am conducting my business in my second language while learning the fourth one. Where are those stories? So I started talking about that. What do you do when, when you know you're amazing, but nobody gives you a chance? And little by little, I, I started getting more confident about it. Um, and I paused for like three months completely my business until I felt, okay, now I can, I can speak again. So when I decided that I wanted to share my story and my thoughts on things, that's when it became easier for me to create consistency, but not the other way around. Just throwing myself out there just for the sake of it was not working for me. Finding myself first and connecting the dots first, infusing my cultural background with my beliefs and my values first and then starting to get consistency then then that was something that that worked and it still works to this day and it's something that I share with my clients uh, that I mentor most of them hold also marginalized identities and also the mainstream uh, business advice doesn't fit for them um so who am I to tell them you know you have to post seven days a week no <laughs> oh no. gosh that just gets my heart going like, <laughs> ah <laughs> yeah you know but no um so that's where it comes from the whole idea that um finding yourself and connecting to your your own leadership which for people from oppressed communities has been denied. We don't have representation. Therefore, we think that we cannot be leaders. And we can because our experiences shape the world. I just want them to know that and to, to try to embrace that persona. Oh, everything that you just shared, like, again, like, no one can see me, but I'm, like, nodding my head here. And, like, my heart was just welling up the whole time because the, this, uh, like, like yourself, consistency just for the sake of consistency just felt so fundamentally wrong. And yet there was not really anyone else 
telling me otherwise that it's okay to be otherwise but I love what you said that you you pretty much um you didn't use these words but um how it kind of came to me as you're speaking like you retreated into yourself to do that much needed inner exploration so that you could draw from a different place than before a place that is waiting to be discovered and revealed and shared as well and if I actually look back on my content myself when I felt like I was just churning it wasn't landing but the moment I started talking about my my cultural experiences and the lens through which I see the world that's when it starts to land there was a post that I did back in April this year where I called out um, anyone who so, so it's, it's interesting that we talked about values today right like for anyone who claims to have diversity and inclusion as a value in the business does that also include Asians because that was during mm-hmm. the the center of the escalation of Asian hate crimes and then throughout that post I mentioned how as you know it feels so disheartening if I if I only see one person if at all who looks and sounds like me and i I feel like I should be grateful, but I'm not grateful. I'm disappointed. And that seemed to kind of, <laughs> that seemed to be the line that landed with so many people. Like, oh my gosh, me, me too, me too, me too, me too. And yeah, so drawing from our experiences and providing an expanded perspective, which is what we're doing essentially, is how we can show up without feeling like we have to be on a schedule. Yes. And I would much rather do that. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's beautiful, actually. That's exactly it. It's, it's instead of consistency, I see it as expanding yourself, your identity. And if, if whoever is listening right now holds identities that are not the mainstream, I really, I really invite yourself to see the possibility of expanding your person your whole being, not you as a business owner, your whole being. Because this society wants you to feel that we are minorities and we're restricted, but we're not under any circumstances. We can expand. And then, you know, whatever goals you want to set for yourself, they're going to feel easier. I love that so, so much. And actually, I haven't shared this with anyone since um, just just my partner, right? So actually, Mariana, you're, like, you're the first person to know this. <laughs> what you just said about expanding your being, not just as a business owner, but your being. Um, there's a decision I made in my personal life um, just the other week. Um, so this feeling of isolation, I've had that throughout my whole life because I'm British born. Um, I'm a British born uh, Chinese person. So I'm a child of immigrants. And I was raised in a collectivist culture, but in an individualist society. So there was a constant conflict of what was right. What is right? What is right? I found like a peaceful solution of the coexistence of the two, how you can thrive um, in the individualist way to serve the collective. And that was a beautiful way to think of it. Um, but there was a part of me that's always felt missing and disconnected to my culture. And that was the language because my parents chose not to teach my sister and I, and I did not know this at the time, but I only recently found out that it was because it was a bullying prevention method, basically, that our, our that our parents wanted for us that like you already look different we don't want you to sound any different than the other kids because I grew up in a very white town um, in in the countryside and so that part was always cut off for me and I've been shamed for it in my in my Chinese community where they would joke and it would be like spears through my heart it not even daggers but proper like Think of a javelin spear, um, spear, okay? It's like right through me. They'll be like, oh, you're not really Chinese, are you? Because you don't speak it. It's like, I'm not as skinny as the quote-unquote proper Chinese girl. And it's like, 
what is right I don't know and so it's taken me a lot of time time itself didn't heal I have worked a lot with my therapist who I love so much (laughs) and now it's finally become an empowered choice for me to actually learn the language not to please anyone else but for me to finally make that choice to reconnect with the culture in my own way because I don't want the same things to happen to my children um I want I want them to be as accepted as possible there's always going to be like you know times when they probably won't (laughs) but basically I didn't want them to go through the same thing and how this all connects one that is a part of my life that I always want to shy away from that I always feel embarrassed about feel humiliated in front of other people sometimes when people point it out in front of everyone and because of that it feeds into my business because there is a part of my life that I haven't gone to yet to kind of fix what's broken or to mend the fences to start building that bridge that was never actually built really and I know that that is going to help in my business eventually because I feel visible on all fronts um I feel visible with my relationship now because last year I finally came out to my parents and finally that part of me that didn't didn't want to hide and it helped me a lot in my business because I finally felt like I was practicing what I was preaching Mm -hmm. you know revealing you and being honest with you right and I'm like how can I say that and not do that so what you said earlier about um, us challenging ourselves, yeah. um, doing the things that we're telling our clients to do, like this is our commitment to it. And yeah. I, I also agree with you that that happens outside of our business hours. It's how we live our lives and it's all interconnected. So that was a big spiel. So thank you for, for listening. I was supposed to be interviewing you, but thank you. Thank you for sharing that. It's, it's beautiful. I'm very happy for you. That you've reached that point where, where you, you feel that you can and want to do it on your terms. Hmm. That's beautiful. So that just goes to show that for me it is true what you are what you are sharing, and I would love to invite everybody who's listening right now to think in your own lives, like what can you do for yourself in your life not necessarily a business like they are connected but your business isn't your life and your life isn't your business right they are connected so what can you do for you that eventually will kind of lead back to how you show up in your business because um oftentimes I think traditional business it seems very cut and dry (laughs) pretty much um and almost takes out the humanistic touch from it it's like oh it's just business it's just business and I'm like what runs a business is people, mm-hmm. right? People who run it, people who buy, um, people who are just a part of that cycle. They're all people at the end of the day. So why would we like cut yeah. out that human touch? So that's a whole other conversation. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Mariana, you have brought up such important topics today. And I would love to know, we talked about a lot. So for our audience today, what is one thing you would love for them to kind of work on or a question they should ask themselves that it could be the one <laughs> that, you, that you've already shared? Um, but what's one takeaway that we can run with today after finishing this interview? I would like to invite everyone um, to embrace the practice of unlearning. Uh, we aren't even aware of how many structures and belief systems we hold that don't make sense at all, but they don't make sense to us in our reality, in our context, within our culture, in our homes. Um, And you're not forced to follow them. Everything that we have learned, we can unlearn. Um, and the beauty of the online world I know people complain a lot about a thing uh, about a lot of things online but one beautiful thing is that you can unlearn Um, so you can just observe your life and reflect and 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 ask yourself where is this coming from how do I know this 
Um, and if, it, if, it, if you feel that it's off, you can unlearn it. You absolutely can. So, so, so good. And it's okay that if something that was once true for you may not be true for you now. Exactly. Beautiful. So, Mariana, for anyone who would love to stay connect with you, because I don't know who wouldn't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Where can they go to connect with you and to learn more about the work you do? Yes, I usually hang around on Instagram. Um, I am from that generation. <laughs> so I don't have TikTok. <laughs> um, and I love to have conversations. Uh, so if anything that we shared today resonates with you and you would like to continue this conversation, I would love to hear from you. Just send me a DM um, and we'll take it from there. All right. Wonderful. So be sure to pop your Instagram link there. And I'm sure you have a link in your bio to your, you know, your website and just how to work with you as well, because I'll be in line like <laughs> in a couple <laughs> of months. I'll be like, hey, can we talk about working together? Because I know <laughs> Like, it just honestly is a matter of time. Hopefully, the service that I'm looking for is still something that you'll offer by then. But I, I just truly respect and honour how you do the work you do, not just what the result is. So I just want to say thank you for bringing that combination, um, that very unique combination that only you can bring from your experiences and <sighs> everything else. So thank you. So I've got two final questions for you before I lovingly let you go. Are you ready for them? Yes. All right. So number one is what makes you a quiet rebel? I, I, I was thinking about this. Um, and to me, being a quiet rebel is my work behind the scenes. I recently wrote a couple of posts about spotting how spotting courses in the wild was my <laughs> now favorite sport because I love seeing my clients launching their programs and their courses and and knowing mm, I helped that I, I helped shape that um, I love behind the scenes I don't need to take the spotlight mm. I want my clients to take the spotlight because they deserve it. So to me, that is a very quiet labor of love, but it's a very re rebellious one mm. um, because we, we break molds with what we're doing. So I don't know if that counts as a definition. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said to you in the green room, the beauty about being a quiet, quiet rebel is that you can be a quiet rebel to what it means to be a quiet rebel. <laughs> it's really the meaning that you draw. And I love, I love this whole behind the scenes work and, um, that you spot <laughs> spot them in the wild. <laughs> like, <laughs> like what you know you help to contribute to and what you help bring to fruition through the work you do. So I think that's a beautiful way to describe it. So thank you for sharing your definition. And my final question. So for my lovely Quiet Rebels who have listened um, to more than one episode, you know what's happening next. But just in case it's your first time here, and this is your first episode that you listened to, and you picked a brilliant one, by the way. When you hear the sound, it means it is time to ask our guest of the day this question. So, Mariana, what is one weird fact or a fun story about you that no one else knows on the internet? I got two for you. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, first one. I learned how to ride a bike when I was 32. I'm now 36. So <laughs> not too long ago. Wow. <laughs> See that what I mean awesome. by unlearning and learning? You can always do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for sure. I have a new love for electric scooters. But anyway, that's not about me. Mm -hmm. but about you. Okay. So you learned so how to that's ride the first bike. fact. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the second one is I took my first bath, like in a bathtub. Just last year. 
I know if you are like in a cold country, <laughs> you might think like, how is that possible? But I come <laughs> from Mexico. Who would like to sit there in hot water? It just melt. <laughs> <laughs> that, that makes sense. I did think I, I did have a feeling that that was the case. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So houses don't have bathtubs. Hotels don't have bathtubs. Um, so it was just never a thing for me. And now we moved into this house last year and it had a bath and I was afraid of it uh, because I thought, what is this thing? Like, how, how do you, what, what, what do you do? So I asked a friend and she loves baths and she was like, you need to get yourself in a bath right now. <laughs> she walked me through it as funny as that might sound. And again, you, you know how your experience might be very normal mm -hmm. and to others it isn't. To me, it wasn't. It was not a thing. Um, and now I'm a fan. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, so how do you feel about bath now? <laughs> it took a couple of tries um, to, to get the hang of it, but now I really like it. Love it. All right. <laughs> so that, that's the beauty of, um, you know, just being able to try out things that just, things that we grew up with. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So... That's awesome. Thank you for thank you for sharing those things. And um, how is it riding a bike for you now as well? Like, is it something that you're like, oh, okay, I could see myself doing this now? <laughs> it's terrifying. Um... <laughs> to ride on the road, yes, because like we're, like in the UK, we're not allowed to, we're not meant to um, ride on pavements, right? Mm -hmm. I, I still do when there's no people around, but when there's people, it's like, all right, fine, I'll go on the road. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's terrifying going on the road and signaling signaling with your arm I'm yeah. like ah but look like someone drives into it ah <laughs> like, and, and this is the country of bikes like I think uh, statistically there are more bikes than people in the Netherlands really um yeah wow. and the the city that I used to live in had like 1.5 bikes per person something that I was like 1.5 how is it okay yeah, um unicycle <laughs> yeah like, no, I don't really get it um But yeah, so that's the only reason why I learned uh, because they bike everywhere here. Um, but I'm that's still terrified, like terrified. I do it, uh, but I'm terrified. So it's not something that I look forward to, especially when it's raining and windy and oh. it's a mess. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I'm quite proud of myself for doing yeah. that. So late in my life, um, you know, I, I learned how to drive uh, a, a car at 15. That was never an issue. I was never afraid of it. But, you know, to ride a bike was never a thing for me until now. <laughs> wow. Well, better late than never, they say, right? And exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm like, yes, I'm scared of bikes. But I'm also terrified of driving. I've learned to drive since I was 17, but I don't have that same confidence that you do. <laughs> But you know what? Each to their own, each to their own. All right. So that wraps up our wonderful conversation. And Mariana, just thank you for your generosity with your shares, not just with your knowledge, but just being so open to sharing your experiences is something that I so, so appreciate about you. So thank you for coming on the Quiet Rebels podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for creating this safe space uh, for just sharing your stories. I, I am very grateful. And so, my lovely, there we have it. So everything that we mentioned in today's interview will be popped into the show notes. So be sure to head for that link. And if you haven't done so already, I would so love it if you could subscribe to this podcast because that way you don't miss a single episode and another conscious conversation. And of course, if you feel cool too, I would so appreciate it if you could leave a rating and review because that really helps other quiet ripples find us. Ah, oh my goodness. Okay, another great episode. And so I will be back same place, same time next week for another episode of the Choir Rebels podcast. So until then, my lovely, do take care and bye for now.